What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me, once again, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing? I'm after, good. After our football podcast coming over here and doing the bot our first basketball podcast of the year i feel weird because we're in opposite spots where we normally sit to prevent maya from bothering you because you're scared of dogs but um i'm feeling good i i this you know this this is needed some positivity in our lives some positivity after the football podcast um if y'all listen to the football podcast uh welcome to our basketball podcast our first one of the year um, if you haven't listened to the football podcast, go check that out uh, or don't, if you, you know, yeah, if, if you didn't want to see that and you want to see <laughs> this, then here you go. If you wanted to forget about that, um, welcome. And again, we've said before that we love basketball. We indulge ourselves in basketball, live and breathe NBA and college oh, basketball all the time. We are just big basketball guys. So we come over here entering Grant McCaslin's third season. Which feels kind of weird to say, doesn't it? Yeah, because I remember three of Benford seasons. So that, and I feel old now. How do you remember three of Benford seasons? You have my freshman year. No way, year. it was two. No, it was three. And 16. It was three. 15 and 16. I don't know now. now it has you... to be 15 and 16 and then 17, 18, 19 have been McCaslin. Oh, wait. No, I... I don't know. You might be right. Regardless two or three Benford years and now you've you're experiencing the third McCaslin year has it felt like it's been long or has it felt like it's gone by quickly very quickly I feel like I feel like they've they've moved quickly in their in their process of rebuilding this team um we'll obviously get into all those nitty-gritty details later uh but no it feels like they've made progress and the team's changing and making changes be, where they feel they need to be. Whereas Benford's, it was kind of like this long drawn out, trust the process of what we have type of thing. Whereas McCaslin's like, Oh, this doesn't work. Okay. We'll change stuff. Yeah. So I think that's a good, that's a good way to preface this podcast. So we're going to get into a few things. This podcast, this is part one of two of our season preview for the uh, North Texas basketball team. Today, we're going to talk about, um, we're going to revisit last year. We're going to talk about the entire roster, everybody on the team, uh, talk about potential lineups um, and the non-conference schedule. So there's a lot to talk about. We didn't ask for questions today, though. So save y'all's questions for the next podcast. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter, uh, all that good stuff. And we'll get into those questions y'all have next week. So first, let's start off with recapping last year. It was a Gosh, it was an interesting year last year. Lots of stuff happened Man. last year. So the team ended the season twenty-one and twelve. They ended the season also eight and ten in conference play. They started off the year though sixteen and one. They went twelve and one in, in a non-conference play, and they won the first four games of conference play, and that set them up to be in a place where we thought, you know, sixteen and one. We're talking about a top two or three team in Conference USA last year. And then things went downhill very, very, very quickly. With I mean, part of it was injuries. Jordan Duffy, you know, Ryan Woolridge. Um, they were hampered for a lot of the year. 
There was a game against FIU where they only had six players even like Yeah, DJ Draper played play. 40 minutes. Yeah, they yeah. had six players able to play, and that tells you pretty much all you need to know. They were very injured last year. They were they had no cohesion by the end of the year. It yeah. felt like they didn't know what they wanted to do on offense. It felt like a, their defense was good, but it was very limited. And now we look at a team, we look at this team, and they basically they have five new faces on it, and then you have three players that registered last year yep. on it. And so you bring in eight new players onto this team, and all and I'd say seven of the eight are expected to make impacts right away. So yeah. um I feel like it sets the table for an or for a year that is going to have high expectations and rightfully so because the last two seasons they've gone I believe they went eight and two last eight and ten in the last ten, two seasons in conference play. I think I think that's right. Yeah. So again, it's kind of like in year three of Graham McCaslin, you're kind of expected to take the take the jump and take a step forward in a way. Um but yeah, okay. So last year, let's get into the numbers here. They averaged 69.8 points per game, allowed 62.9 points per game. Um, they shot the three ball at a pretty high clip, 33.9%. They allowed teams to shoot 31.3% from three on them, which led Conference USA. That's the best defensive percentage in Conference USA. Um, like I said, last year, they started off the year going 16-1. and one. Yep. In a very weak non-conference schedule, I, we need to make sure that that's known. Their only loss was to Oklahoma. Yes. So, and so they beat teams like Humboldt State, Angelo State, Hawaii, Portland, A and M Commerce, Maryland Eastern Shore, Maine, St. Peter's, Indiana State, a bad Utah, uh, UT Arlington team. Uh, New Mexico was a good win, and then Arkansas Pine Bluff. That that was their non-conference schedule. We're going to get into this later in the podcast, but this year's schedule is drastically better. It's miles and miles better than what it was last year. So, but I think it's worth noting that last year's 16 and 1 start and their 12 and 1 non-conference start, Grant McCaslin has has told me it's kind of a good thing that they had that last year. Now, obviously, there were problems like scheduling wise, like they got into tournaments late last year, like and there were like some some intricacies that the common fan didn't know about last year. But it was kind of a good thing for that team last year. You know, coming off a CBI win with expectations high to start the year twelve and one in non coverage play, it got a lot of people to the super pit and it got a lot of people talking about the team. Do you feel like that was needed for last year's team and do you feel like that's more beneficial than maybe going seven and six in conf- in non-conference play but playing better teams I, d- I definitely do think that because again we've talked about this with football perception creates reality for people in a lot of ways and uh with them going 16-1 obviously it brought tons of people to super the only problem with that though is that whenever they fail in games against harder teams it kind of makes the consequences felt more more re- yeah it, yeah it so, makes reality hit harder right so that when when whenever we finally at the end of the season was like oh okay yeah this team's beat up but like they're not big enough to compete with these better teams they're not you know offensively capable enough to compete with these better teams that reality set in and then fans started not showing up to the games and i i just hope that that doesn't carry over into this season yeah i agree but i i do feel like going into a second year coming off a of cbi win i feel like 
McCaslin needed that kind of fan support in a sense. And yeah. I feel like the program needed that fan support in a way um, that I think the, the non-conference schedule brought. And I think that this that team last year also needed confidence. I feel like they were limited largely on offense, but um, I feel like guys like Duffy and guys like Miller did get confidence. And Draper, for instance, got confidence off of getting those wins and racking up those wins. So I feel like it all played a part in yeah. a sense, but it is worth... But you do have to put a little asterisk on all the numbers from last season because they played bad teams last year. Yeah, and and and, and and you like you said, you know, it gave a guy's confidence. And last year's team won based off of trying harder, having that confidence. They didn't win necessarily off of being better shooting team or being, you know, a very athletic team or a very yeah. skilled team. They 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 won by trying better than the other team or more than the other team. Yeah, or and, just playing a bad team. Right, but I'm saying like in confidence, in conference play, that's yeah. that's where that came from, and yeah. the confidence helped them. <laughs> Yeah. With that. Yeah. Um, so, but, so we have to keep all that in mind. But when you look at last year's advanced stats, uh, again, we're very nerdy when it comes to basketball. So we like advanced stats because I feel like it tells more of the story. And we're going to try not to go like too crazy. And right. We'll, we'll put these in context so it's not just us spitting numbers. For sure. And so when you look at points per possession and offensive and defensive rating, that's basically how much a team scores per 100 possession. And then how much a team allows per 100 possessions. So it basically takes the pace out of the game. So when you play a team like, uh, let's let's say, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore last year that was really slow and that game was like super slow, but North Texas won like 60 to 32 or something like that. The offensive rating, let's say the offensive rating was like 110 or 115. That's a very, very good offensive game. Whereas, you know, if it's a fast game and it's 80 to like Marshall and it's 80 to 75 and it's only like a 90 offensive rating then it's not as good it just puts the pace right think of it like comparing the new nba to the old nba of like the 90s and 80s where there's a lot of half court offense whereas now it's fast break it kind of puts that in perspective to where you can compare a slow team and a fast team instead of just like looking at it's more efficiency exactly so um last year they averaged one point per possession or a hundred point or a hundred offensive rating which is okay yeah it's very average um I mean, I don't have a uh, college context on here. I'm pretty sure that this ranked in the bottom half of Conference USA as far as offensive rating goes. Um, but typically for an offense, you want to be 105 yeah. around there. Uh, I know NBA is obviously a completely different sport, but even the bottom teams in, in uh, the NBA have about a 103 or so. Mm-hmm. So it's... But college is different, obviously. So they had 100 offensive rating and 90 defensive rating. 90 is very good. However, I mean, to give up less than a point per possession is extremely yeah, the, good. The higher the offensive rating, the better. The lower the defensive rating, the better. Yes, exactly. Yeah, to put so, that in context. So, yeah, 90, uh, to have a 90 defensive rating is fantastic, and it kind of showed that the strengths in this team last year. And so I want to get into, I'll get into those in a second. Um, this team did have a uh, very high, they had a, okay, how do I word this? They had a low free throw attempt rate. So when you look at how many times they got to the free throw line, it was very low. I think that's something very much worth noting because that's different yeah. from this year. Um, their three-point, uh, we talked about their three-point field goal percentage already. Um, their free throw percentage was 67%, which was okay. Like, they didn't have a ton of great shooters. And when they did get to the free throw line, it was Ryan, Zach. Yeah, you know, exactly. It wasn't Mo. Um, 
And so, yeah, their three-point field goal attempts were okay. They Against bad teams, they got up a lot of them. But against good teams, they didn't get up a lot of them. And so there's a discrepancy in that. Um, and, yeah, I feel like those are the basics of the of the of um, of those stats, at least. Now, when you look at last year's team's strengths and weaknesses, on offense, we can say their strengths were... What do, what do we say their strengths were, basically, gone? Well, I would say that their strength was defense, intensity. No, on, on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, but. sorry. <laughs> on the my, my fault. I guess uh, pace. I agree. Yes. Yeah, so it was Pushing pace. the pace. And, exactly. You know, they had Ryan, you know, grab a rebound. They had Zach running the floor. And Ryan would just push the pace as hard as they could. And whenever Ryan... That's why Ryan played 40 minutes a game. Yes. Because when he was out, the team didn't really have a half-court offense because you didn't really have shooters outside of DJ and Mo. Yes. So the team had trouble with Ryan off the floor when they weren't pushing the pace. Yes. And so I do want to give context though, kind of take backtrack real quick. I do want to give context to maybe listeners that aren't for completely familiar with the team or anything like that. Cause we do cater to a kind of a niche audience, like people who know, like when you say Ryan, they know who Ryan is. Right. Or, or when I say Mo, yeah. they know who Mo is. Um, Ryan Woolridge was a point guard last, was the point guard last year. He was basically, the team last year. He yeah, was the our, only point guard last year. He was year. our MVP last year. And he graduate transferred to Gonzaga. Now, I feel like it was kind of a 50-50 give and take. You know, the team and him, you know, he was looking to move on. The team was okay with moving on. And so it was kind of the best for both of them. But Ryan Woolridge was the engine to this team last year. Yeah. There's no debating about it. There's nothing you can say that will change that fact. So Ryan Woolridge was a lot of what they wanted to do on offense. And when their initial sets didn't work and when their offense didn't work, it, a lot of times it just went to a 1-5 or 1-4 pick and roll. A lot of times it went to Ryan and Zach having a ball screen, Ryan coming off the ball screen and attacking or hitting a shooter or doing something else. And when he kicked it out or the they the other team dropped back. He was in kind of a tough situation because he wasn't good off the ball. Yeah, exactly. If a team dropped back and he wasn't able to get in the paint, he wasn't able to do much else. Like he had a decent floater, but not much else. He didn't have a mid-range game. He didn't have a three-point game. When he kicked it out to guys like Mo, DJ, Rose, etc., they weren't good enough to take guys off the dribble. So, And they weren't good enough largely to finish at the rim even. So... And like you said, besides Mo and DJ, there weren't many. There weren't any shooters on the team. Jordan Duffy last year uh, shot thirty percent. Rose shot twenty seven percent, somewhere around there. And a lot of these numbers are inflated too because of that non conference schedule. I mean, we went back and did the math. It was like Rose was shooting like twenty eight percent, yeah, from three during conference. And yeah, I could probably find this. Yeah, so I mean, Mo in non conference shot a ridiculously high amount and non-conference and same with DJ but then when you go back and look at the conference when they're playing teams another level I mean the shooting numbers just went down yeah um but yeah so the offense was very limited last year and what it was able to do um it was able against bad teams to really pick them apart and find shooters because the bad teams had to help so much on the Ryan Zach pick and roll and had to struggle so much with Ryan pushing the pace time after time but against good teams they got back on defense against good yeah. teams. They didn't have to overhelp against good teams. They were, um, they struggled to find consistent offense. And I feel like that's going to be the biggest difference this year is the half court offense has been a way bigger emphasis. And 
we'll get into that. But just to quickly recap, to put a put a lid on last year, I feel like the strengths of the offense, the strengths of this team were playing defense, getting out on in transition, and I mean, I feel like those were the, the two yeah, biggest I things. Mean, really. They just played hard. Yeah, and they yeah. And they played hard. They that rebounded well as well. Yeah. So I feel like you had those things going for, um, which kind of doesn't give you a lot of room for error. Yeah. The struggles for last year's team is they didn't have a lot of great. They didn't have a lot of good shooters even. Uh, their half court offense struggled. They didn't have a lot of playmakers on it. Um, their defense was good, especially on the perimeter, but inside, uh, they only had Zach really as a rim protector. Um, besides that, they are, they had. I mean, Jemiah was basically their second tallest guy that played a lot. Shaquem didn't yeah. play much, and other guys didn't play much. Um, oh, Tope. I'm sorry. Tope did play last year. But, <laughs> forget um, about Tope. Yes, we do to forget about Tope. He's doing great things over wherever he's playing in. I don't I, remember. I don't even remember. Yeah, he's playing somewhere. Uh, but anyways, it was, a, it was a limited team, but it did the job against bad teams. Um, it got hurt last year. The depth wasn't very good once it did get hurt. And so it left them handcuffed. And exactly. so they went they went into conference the conference tournament. They ended conference play like I said at 8 and 10. They ended up at the 10 seed. They played FIU in the first round uh in the 10-7 matchup. They ended up beating FIU in a very compelling game. They beat them pretty much pretty easily in the yeah. in at the I start. mean it was the third time they played them. Yeah. <laughs> so third time's the charm. They finally got that one. And then they went on to this second round game again with a depleted team. Ryan limping, everybody limping around, and they played Western Kentucky, and they got waxed. But it was it kind of salvaged a little bit of the year, a little bit. So um, there was no CBI or any postseason tournament, which I feel like was a good thing considering how injured the team was. Mm-hmm. A lot of te- guys moved on, like we said. I believe Rose or Ryan, I'm sorry, Ryan was the only one that didn't graduate that left. Oh, Mark. I'm sorry. Mark Ticanico also left. So we have those two. Um, but yeah, so you have a lot of guys moving on. I don't remember how many. Let me let me count the exact amount of seniors here. But just to give you um, a depiction of how many guys move, are not on the team from last year. Ryan Woolridge, Jordan Duffy. Tope Arikwe. Uh, Mark Ticanico, Tope Arikwe, um, but, but Mike Miller, and that's it. So those five, really. Yeah. Those five. And like we said, three of those guys retreated that were on the team last year. So you move to this year's team. Is there anything else you want to say about last year's team? I just want to say last year's team was was more of a kind of what Grant had from the previous coach. So Tony kind of, I mean, it was mostly Tony's players outside of uh, Mike and uh, Tope and Duffy. Yeah. I mean, from the ones that, you know, didn't really, that graduated and, now they've kind of come into what Grant's system. I feel like he he's always wanted. You know, with Ryan, yeah, he was great for what he did, but I don't feel like he fit in with Grant's system. So I just want to emphasize it wasn't really like oh they forced Ryan out. It was more like a mutual thing. Like he didn't really kind of fit what Grant wanted to do, and he wanted to go on and try to play in a, in the NCAA tournament with Gonzaga. So yeah, uh, we said last year a lot that Ryan Woolridge raised the floor of this team, but he also the ceiling was not very high with him right. as your best player. So with him, he had to have the ball in his hands a lot in order to be effective because he couldn't shoot. He had to, um, and the offense kind of had to be centered around him in a way. So with him gone, 
obviously it hurts because he's a great defender. He's he can attack the basket. He's a good creator and all that stuff. He's a really good player. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't get anyone wrong. But with him gone, we've seen or I've seen at least when I go to practices and talk to coach and stuff like that. A change in emphasis and a change in offense and a change in how they want to do things. So like you said, McCaslin, I think, is going to be more free in what he does. And I think he's going to have um, a much different offense. Yeah. And that, I think, will raise the ceiling of this team. But the floor could be lower, you know? I think I think that's fair to say. Even though we, we both perceive this team as being better, the floor could be lower on this team because they don't have that stable... Right, there's there's not one guy that we know every night's going to perform at the same level. Where exactly. they're now going to be having to rely on more guys. Exactly, so. exactly. So let's get into this here then, Colin. Let's let's run down this roster. Let's teach people who's good, who's not. Even though <laughs> that was I was I was like, dang, you're really going to say that? Yeah, like, hey dude. man, unfiltered podcast. That's what we bring. We are here. we are we are doing the podcast at night. Yes. With in, the light, in a dark room. With the lights off because we're trying to get Maya to go to sleep. And it's kind of worked. She's she's calm. She's so. calm. <laughs> so there you go. Podcast after dark, baby. 1017. The, the graphic even is a black background. Oh, yeah, it is. Man, we are just... Just... We like to just, be consistent. We're just going. I've been here since like two. Yeah, it's been eight hours. Long shift. <laughs> uh, okay, so first player on your list there, Bruni. I want to go through numerically, I guess. Is okay. That, or no, should we go through returners? Let's go through returners. That's way smarter. So the returners, Emoja Gibson. For those of you who don't know, he's going to be a retro sophomore. Are we going to name them all first, or are we just going to go? through? Nah, let's just go one at a time. Screw okay. it. Uh, I don't want to spend more than two two minutes on these players. Emoja Gibson. I'm going to say this name, and you tell me what you think of Emoja Gibson. <laughs> we just said his name like four times. Okay, Mo is his nickname. He is. Was a point guard, but he's he's more of a guy that I feel like this year they're going to use more off of screens. Shooter, lights out shooter. Um, crafty, but he can't get you any points on the inside, really. Um, he played some point guard last year, but like I said, I don't think they're going to really use him that many, that much as a point guard because of the other guys that they have, which we'll get into. But uh, he'll be he'll be this team's probably best shooter. Yes, he led the team in scoring last year uh, at around 12 points per, 12 and a half points per game. He, like you said, is a great shooter. Uh, but inside the arc, I believe he went five of twenty last year. Yeah, which is pretty jarring when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, honestly, but, I mean that, that just shows you how last year's team was so limited. I mean, Ryan was the only guy that could score inside, and they didn't really have shooters. Yes, so exactly. So Mo is going to shoot, and he's going to shoot a lot. He averaged about seven three point attempts per game last year. Um, what, what's on your mind? Are, are we going to go over what we want to see from them this year, or are we just going to? Is that yes? Yeah. Next week's like what we expect them to do this year. Let me see what I've written down, Colin. I just threw Bernie off. Like what we'd want to see them add to their game or whatever. Yeah, no, no. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. Okay, okay. So if you want to say stuff. Okay, yeah. So anyways, like we were saying, Mo, great shooter, shot 39.3% from three last year. Over the offseason, he's gotten bigger. He worked out with Damian Lillard. That's big time. Which is amazing. I asked Coach if he's going to let him shoot Damian Lillard range threes. He said not early in the clock. He didn't say no. Not early in the clock. That's good. That's good. (laughs) Didn't say no, but uh, anyways, Mo can shoot from deep. He has a quick release. He can catch and shoot on the move. Uh, he's a great shooter. So like we said, I want to see him add a little more inside presence to his game. I wish he had a little bit better of a floater just to throw something else in there. Maybe take a couple dribbles in. At least make make guy, make defenses help. That's yeah. going to be a big thing for this team is getting to the mid, middle of the, of the defense and making guys help and 
giving other guys opportunities to cut, giving opportunities, giving guys opportunities to move off the ball and create once they get the ball. Like off a rotation. Yeah, I agree. And off a closeout. I agree. Yeah, floater is definitely something that I want to see added as well. Yeah. Um, anything else on Mo? No. Okay. So then, secondly, I'm having to flip between tabs here. We have... Who else played last year? Oh, Jemiah Simmons. Jemiah Simmons is a Ford at six foot four. That plays center. He did play center at times <laughs> last year. Uh, I talked to Grant uh, or McCaslin about him, and he they said they tried make him to a guard, which we saw kind of last year. He was like a he played the four, but he was kind of like on the perimeter. This year, they kind of just like, you know, just go attack the rim, man. Just go be Charles Barkley, and so we'll see how he does this year. I we need to see him shoot better still, regardless. Um, I don't know. Let me let me have his last year stats. Last year he shot. He hit one three, two threes. Calling two of fifteen from three. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. So again, he's not a shooter. He shot thirty of fifty seven from free throw from the free throw line last year. Uh, he's not a scorer. He's uh, not a great defender. Uh, we need to see him get better on both ends of the court, really, yeah. in order to make an impact on this team. Because we're gonna get into the forwards that they added over the off season, and there's. There's he some has depth. some competition now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else you want to add? You want just he just needs to add a three. He needs to be able to hit that corner three. And I think that's that's really honestly the biggest thing for him to get minutes this season. I agree. Okay. Uh, next we have Zachary Simmons, the starting center. He's going on his third year starting. That's so weird to me. He's a junior. It's so weird to me. So, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be his third year. Last year he was a very consistent player. Uh, he played thirty three games. Like can't ask any. He played every single game. And he started every game, played 27 minutes per game last year, really improved drastically in his fouling, didn't foul nearly as much as he did freshman year. Um, We only saw him hit one of three threes, which is okay, you know. Uh, We got kind of excited before the season last year that he was going to shoot threes, but yeah, it's okay. He can hit the midi, though. He can finish at the rim. He's a strong player. He can finish dunks off. He He can offensive rebound. He can rebound on the offensive end. He shot 61% from the field. Um, fun fact, he's the first player in school history to shoot over 60% in back-to-back seasons. That's, that's kind of jarring, actually. That's, I know, I know, I know. I said, that's really, really crazy, actually. So, uh, yeah. Like, especially in the way the game is now, where guys play more on the outside. <laughs> exactly. That's weird. Um, he averaged 10.2 points per game. Um, I don't have the average up, but I would say he averaged probably around seven rebounds per game around there. Yeah. Um, he was pretty much the team's only rim protector last year. Um, I I worry he did average seven rebounds also last year. Uh, he's the only player on the team last year that had over 16 blocks uh, in 33 games. So that kind of tells you like nobody else was even coming yeah, close. I mean, no, one, no one was tall. I mean, they exactly. didn't really have any heights. So. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, uh, what I want to see him add to his game, I probably just want to see him take another step forward defensively, I feel like, because I feel like on the offensive side of the ball, he's perfectly fine. Like, he has a good touch around the rim. He's he's good enough in post-up situations. He can take advantage of a mismatch. He can hit the mid-range jumper. He's good as a roll man. Offensively, I'm fine with him right now. Yeah. Defensively, I think is where I want to see him take the next step, and I think that comes with a little bit more explosion in his game. Mm-hmm. So a little more more bounce, a little bit. I, think, I know it's going to be tough because he's not – He's not Dwight Howard. Yeah, he's not an uber athletic guy. Yeah, he's he's gonna be more ground bound in a sense. But I think if he's smart and he can be like a Tim Duncan defender, you know, use his length more in smarter ways and play the angles more. Yeah, I think that'll be the. I, I want to see him get better hands on the offensive end. There were a lot of times where 
when he's in traffic, he has trouble. And I just want him to kind of calm down and be able to make better decisions. Yeah. So next up, we have DJ Draper, the Birdville Bomber. Drape Juice. Drape Juice. Yeah. All the Friend nicknames. of the pod. Friend of the podcast. DJ Draper guest. Intro man. Intro man. Just this tons of, of nicknames. He's been he's been asking to get on, on the podcast. We'll have to call him. Next week? Right now? <laughs> yeah, 10 30 at night. 10 30. Hey, he's not doing anything. How do you know that? He's probably just at working on his jumper. That's what he does. <laughs> he just sits there with That man's going to be hitting like 80%. <laughs> Remember last year he started the year off and was shooting like over 45%? Yeah. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. No, but so last year, like we said, he's he's a great shooter. Him and Mo are right there for best shooter on the team. I yeah, uh, Mo's more off the dribble and or on. Uh, I'm so bad. Off the dribble, I can. I, I'm getting my Mo terms can hit off the dribble. He can off Mo's screens. off the dribble, and then DJ's more of a catch and shoot type of guy. Yeah, and they both hit catch and shoot. But uh, DJ is going into his fifth year of college eligibility. Colin, he's a retro senior here. He's old. Okay, he's so old. then I have only been here five years. I have only seen the team for five years because yes. I, I was here DJ's freshman season. Yes, exactly. That's weird. Oh. That's a whole half decade. I know, Colin, you're getting old. So, anyways, he shot 41.5% from three last year. Again, similar to Mo, he shot he shot 20 shots inside the three-point line. Um, he almost had a dunk. Oh no, he went 5 of 20 from inside the three-point line. Mo, Mo shot a lot more. No, wait, hold on. Let's do math real quick. Mo shot about 70. 70 shots in point, inside the three-point line. Not bad. Shot 31 for like 70. That's not good. Not a good percentage. <laughs> not but, good. <laughs> but uh, but still, I mean, they're both similar in the way that they both stay at the three point line. Yeah. DJ played in thirty two games, which is kind of crazy. Um, he played nineteen minutes per game. Is that not crazy? Like he no, played thirty two I mean, games and he averaged nineteen per game. Now obviously there are inflated games in there because he played like 40 minutes one game he played like 35 minutes a couple games and then there were games where he played like 10 i I feel like he's an underrated player on the team because defensively last year you could argue he was the second best defender okay no i'm not gonna argue that you can't argue that was a better defender oh sorry guard guard okay okay, yeah guard i did i did not mean that that like behind ryan your primary ball defender was probably either mike depending on where he was playing and then dj yeah so yeah, no, you're, I mean you're you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, you can make the argument. Last year's team was very goddamn. There was no depth on that. Uh, him and Mo are at a similar level defensively, I think, because I think Mo is kind of an underrated defender in a way. Yeah, Mo's well. definitely underrated. He's more, uh, he's kind of crafty with the way he can get steals. Exactly, and DJ will kind of like just stay in front of you and take charge. Yeah, DJ is very laterally quick. Exactly. So, so um, DJ Draper, his game. I mean, I feel like he's going to take a little bit of a step forward as a creator, as an off the dribble type guy. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, I went to a practice, uh, this year where he, uh, they were running five and five up and down the court with, with referees, with actual referees. And he, I wrote about this in a VIP piece and he was actually like dicing guys up because there was no like set offense installed. Like there were offensive sets, yeah, but it was very basic stuff. Yeah. And so they were running it. And then DJ was just like, all right, well, nothing else is happening. I'm just going to go and take you off the dribble. And he did that a couple times. He had some no passes. He had some creative passes. He finished. Like, he looks very confident. And I've never been one. I've never said DJ is not confident. But DJ is at a level with his confidence where I feel like he's like, it's my senior year. 
Like, I'm just going to go out there and try to provide even more to this team than just being a spot-up shooter because there's so much depth on this team this yeah. year. And you have guys like, even let's look past Javion and and uh, Mo. You have Rose, JJ, and guys of that level and Larry, Larry Wise, who are all going to be competing for minutes at the guard. So mm-hmm. you can't just come in and be like just a shooter. Like they added James Reese, who was a very good shooter. Right. You're going to have to be able to do something more. And I feel like he's going to be able to, to do some stuff off the dribble. I I don't know no. how much. Yeah. But that's up to him. I think it'll be very uh situational. Uh I mean last year whenever he had to drive the baseline, it was always just kind of the same thing. He drive the baseline, kick it out. Yeah. Uh, he could do more things with that, so who knows. I want to see him kind of be like a a Patty Mills level guy. Patty Mills level guy. Now, now here's You think the thing. he can create like that? Now here's the thing. Patty Patty doesn't create like crazy. Patty doesn't create like crazy, but he's able to run the point. For those we don't know Patty Mills, a backup point guard on the on the Spurs, who is my favorite team. Yeah. <laughs> go good, Spurs, good, go. good, good, good fact. Uh, we've never seen DJ run the point. We've seen him bring the ball up the court, but we've never seen him be that point guard. Initiator. Like, exactly, the initiator of a play, like Patty is. So you, you think we'll actually see that? I don't know, but I feel like he should. I feel like, like Patty will set up the offense, and then like if a gap opens up, he'll drive just to create help, and then he'll either get a floater up or... Um, or he'll kick it out. But does DJ have that floater or that mid-range game? Or, you know, does he have that capability? That I don't know, but I feel like you have to be at Patty Mills level Patty Mills level aggression this year. Okay. And last year, he could be a lot more picky because there was not as much depth. And he kind of had to play. He kind of had to play uh, ball handler in a lot of times and just get guys in the right position and feed it to Ryan or feed it to Mo and guys like that who can make plays. But this year, they don't need him to as much to, you know, just kind of be safe. I feel like they need him. If Coach McCaslin puts him in the game, it needs to be for like a Patty Mills level effect. Like he's going to come in and he's going to at least be aggressive. And if he's on, he's going to hit three threes. So more of a spark plug as opposed exactly. to a role player on a bench. Exactly. Okay. That's why I think that his... I, I like that. I like that. Because, I mean, like I said, this we're going to get into the, the rest of this roster, but there's a lot of guards. And, and it's also interesting too that DJ is more valuable because they did move the three point line back. Yes, uh, twenty two. I think it's at twenty two. They moved feet. it back a foot. Yeah, it's it's a it's a European level. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's going to prevent players and other uh, schools who are only able to hit a mid range, whereas in the NBA they would be able to hit anything. And we know that DJ is able to hit the deep three. So exactly. All right. Next up, we have Shaquem Alcindor. Now, I'm going to tell y'all this off the bat. Shaquem Alcindor is one of two players this year that could redshirt. Now, there, he is talented enough, and if an injury happens or if you know something happens to where he has to play, he can play and he'll be okay. Like, he's not a bad player. He has very good touch around the rim. Um, athletic. I think he is athletic. He can dunk. But obviously, there are questions for his offensive abilities um, as kind of a smart player and kind of a creator. And then as a defensive player, we need to see him take massive strides forward just in his awareness and, and stuff like that. But I think Shaquem knows that, I, and Coach McCaslin has stressed that multiple times, that if Shaquem Alcindor can get to the next level as a defender, then we can start seeing him really take steps forward. And I think the team made a mistake last year, redshirting, or not redshirting him. He only played 30 minutes the entire year when he... Came off the bench in that game. I believe it was against... Uh, uh, what game did Shaquem play in last year? It was... Uh, 
was it Maryland Eastern Shore? It was it was something like that. Anyways, he came in and it was like, whoa. Yeah, we were both very surprised because we said, well, there goes his red shirt. Like, is he going to play now? Yeah, and he didn't end up playing. I thought the the hope was that he could compete with Tope and kind of take those minutes. But he ended up not doing that. He ended up only playing 30 minutes. And it was like, I think he played against AM Commerce, by the way. Was it AM Commerce? It okay. was a yellow team. Yeah, and he only, yeah, like you said, he didn't. Played 30 minutes the entire game. And I feel yeah. like that was a mistake on their part to like redshirt him. And I think they kind of realized that. And they're like, ah, oh, shoot. He's like actually not ready to play. So this year, we'll see. But they have, they've added four depth. And while he is a true center and he is long and he plays like a center in a sense that, you know, other guys on this team don't. I still think they can get away with redshirting him. Yeah, and it's more so for him than it is for the team, I feel like, because you kind of burn a guy's year of eligibility for playing 30 minutes all season, and it gives him a chance to kind of develop more to where he can take a, take a bigger role than he would be otherwise. Exactly. So. Uh, what do, uh, I, I said I want to see him develop in the defensive side of the ball. Where do, uh, Is that where you want to see him kind of take strides forward? That and just consistency. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how to explain it other than like how Zach used to be where he was kind of hit or miss around the rim. Just mm-hmm. more consistency. Not necessarily better, but just be yeah. able to perform at the same level. Exactly. Okay. Oh, um, lastly, from the returners from last year. Uh, oh, well, actually not. All, uh, yeah. Uh, all the returners that played. Yeah, we're not counting Richards. Yes. Uh, Roosevelt Smart. Now, obviously, we've talked about here on... Uh, we talked about two weeks ago, was it? When he had the DUI. Yeah. Um. Or DWI. 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 I'm sorry. DWI. Uh. He was suspended from the team. He still is suspended from the team. I and we anticipate him not playing. He is suspended from the team. He can, He is practicing. Um. He's practicing, but he is suspended from the team as far as playing goes, and he's not playing. Um. He has returned to practice. Um. Coach told me that their biggest concern with him is getting him right off the court. And, you know, getting his yeah. life together and making sure that he's okay as a man right now. So that's been the emphasis from them. Um, like we both said, I'd be surprised if he played before. I feel like November 5th is still a good date, a month. I mean, who knows? At this point, he could play in a few weeks. But I definitely don't think he'll play before two, three weeks. Two two weeks. Two to three weeks. I'd be, I'd be surprised if I saw him there. He might play by November. Who knows? But... Yeah, he's suspended at the moment. Um, November fifth, the first game. Oh, I'm sorry. You meant December fifth. I meant December fifth, which yeah. is Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's suspended at the moment. Um, he is practicing. Roosevelt Smart took the biggest dip last year, and we—I don't know how to word this. We came on here and we talked about why is Rose playing so bad, and we couldn't figure it out all year last year, really. He dropped down from being one of the best players in Conference USA to being a mid-20% three-point shooter. And a lot of times, he was unplayable. He wasn't a yeah. good defender. He couldn't create. He couldn't make open threes. It was a bad year for him last year. Yeah, I was excited to see him come in. Because also, he was injured at the start of the year last year. He missed like the first six or seven games. Yeah, with a calf. Yeah, with a calf. And so this year, he's healthy and stuff. But this and then the suspension happens this year. So he's going to miss some time this year. <sighs> I don't know what to expect from, from Rose. I'll tell you this. I feel like Rose is kind of like... 
he's kind of the the icing. You don't need. I feel like you don't need Rose on this team. Yeah, last year you needed him. Yeah, yes. sure you don't need him. I feel like with the additions we're going to talk about, Rose is. I don't want to say he's superfluous, but he is a player that this team doesn't and live- need, and if and he probably won't play unless if he shows on a consistent level that he can defend and he can make threes. Yep. If those two things happen, then I can see him playing. And if injuries obviously happen, then he can play as well. But he is at a point right now where I I need to see him shoot 35% from three again. Yeah. And that's high. Like 33%, I'd be okay with. But I need to see him shoot 35%. Yeah. And I need to see his shot go in consistently when it's open. I don't know. I'm not worried about contested shots when he, which he was doing two years ago. I don't care about that. I need to see him do that. I need to see him shoot free throws at an 85% clip. Yeah, get some confidence back because like, he's he's not had it. Exactly. And then I need to see him take another step forward defensively, which he still is a struggling defender. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think all of that, again, we, we wish him the best. Um, in anything that he's doing off the court and the team is helping him off with off the court. Um, he's a, he's a really nice guy. And so we'll see um, when he comes back and we hope he does well, but we just have to be real with the, at this point, this team does not need him. Yeah. They can live without him in the way that they've needed him the last two years. Yep. This year, he's going to have to earn those minutes. Yep. So, all right, let's get into the three guys that registered last year. First, I want to start with, let's start with, let's start with J.J. Murray. J.J. Murray. J.J. Murray. I feel like the least known about person on this team. Yeah, we didn't really talk about it a whole lot last year either because team was guard heavy. So, yeah, so. he's the, uh, we're not going to talk about the other uh, walk-on right now, Karsten Miller, who kind of like John last year is not going Better than play. John probably, but. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a toss up, <laughs> but um yeah Carson's not gonna play so we're not gonna talk about him. JJ Murray is the other walk or walk on non scholarship player I'll say, uh but he's he can play at a division yeah he level. can he can play for sure. So he redshirted last year. He's a redshirt junior now. Um, he is. How do I do? Do I think he's? Yeah, I'll just say this. He's the best on ball defender on this team. Yeah, and he, going into last season, we thought he might have been. Yes, exactly. And he gets deflections. Like he, His hands are active. He just finds ways to get his hands on the ball and to disrupt people. Now, he's only six foot one. He's not a big guy. He doesn't have overly long arms or anything like that. He's not going to swarm you. He's not going to be like Patrick Beverly even that's going to come out and just physical you to death. No, but he's... he's <laughs> physical a, you to death. Exactly. <laughs> smart, smart, smart. Uh, but no, he's a very smart defender, and I feel like... He is a player that can come in at certain times and spot you five to six to seven minutes whenever if a guard gets in foul trouble and you need defense and you're going against a good guard on the other side of the ball or on the other end. JJ is a very good defender and I'm curious to see how he shoots. He has a a decent shot form and I've seen him for the last year shoot in practices and stuff, and he's a fine shooter, but I question if he can be over thirty four percent, over thirty three percent. Like, I feel yeah, like, I feel like it'd be more like a Duffy, kind of in that like streaky. He'll shoot thirty percent, but the, the year. difference is, unlike Duffy's, he's not gonna have those games like to go over four. 
Right, yeah, like, he's, he's not going to have to come he's in. He's not going to have a chance to get in rhythm, exactly. But at the very least, I feel like they have to respect him as a shooter. Like, I feel like he's a solid Yeah, he's still going to space the floor. Yeah, he's so he can come on and he's not going to, like, hurt you with yeah, the shooting. Yeah, guys aren't going to be sagging to the free throw exactly. line or whatever. Like, at the very least, they're going to give him, like, a decently hard closeout. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he's a 3 and D guard. There's not much more else to say about him. Um, I don't know. He's not much of a creator at all. Uh, he's not going to be able to come in and be the backup point guard for instance i mean dj has more creation ability than him uh but for what he does good defender good shooter he can get some playing time this year so um oh anything else to add no yeah no also he's an engineering major smart guy he's a smart guy next we'll talk about abdul muhammad our guy these next two restaurants are going to be very interesting i think i think this one's the most interesting because of last year how we thought that he was in a play but then he got injured and then throughout the season we're like okay just burn the red shirt just burn it just burn it just burn it because yeah. this team had no length had no height had no i mean throughout after they got those injuries no defense yeah and we thought that he could have took them to that next level it's gonna be interesting to see how all this applies this season because of their wing depth now now they have wings everywhere yeah um so I th- he's he's gonna be more he can shoot, more so kind of you know standing and catch yes, catch, catch and, shoot, and shoot, and he can defend, and that's. See the get, thing is his defense is 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 interesting because we. Okay, what we saw from him and let's say let's say in practices and what we've heard about Abdul, he's long first. Of exactly, all. that's yeah. the first thing everything needs to know about. He's six seven. He's got arms that stretch the length of the court. Um, he's got some bounce to him. Yeah, he's athletic. He can dunk. He's athletic. He can make the open three from what I've seen. I think he'll be about a 33% shooter, which is good. I'm interested to see if he can take a step forward defensively and be a consistent defender. Yeah. So he's a good defender in a sense that he's long and that he's has the physical ability to be a good defender. Yeah. I need to see him put it, you know, put use, it together. Use the tools he has. Exactly. Yeah. His awareness is going to be number one thing to watch for with him on defense. His reactions are going to be number one thing and his just his help defense i think is going to be bigger more than anything because at six seven with long arms and with some bounce he can contest shots on help mm-hmm. he doesn't have to come over and take charges he can actually go vertical and contest shots will he be quick enough to do that laterally will he be quick enough laterally to stay in front of guys yeah that's going to be his his uh his keys yeah so uh but yeah offensively we need to see him uh he can get up for dunks he can make open threes I don't know how good he is as a creator yet. I've seen it's still hit or miss for me, yeah. just from what I've seen. I don't, I don't know. So he has limitations to his games, but physically, I feel like he provides them at the very least. He provides them with an athletic body that can get up and down the court, put pressure on the rim, defend the rim a little bit. Who knows? But very, very uh, interested to see what he brings to this team. Agreed. Um, next we have Larry Wise, who was a freshman last year, redshirted. He is a six, five guard. And I feel like a lot of people don't know Kyle Anderson because, you know, there's no real reason to know Kyle Anderson besides him playing for the <laughs> former Spurs. spur, great Memphis Grizzly who got <laughs> overpaid. Exactly. But Kyle Anderson's nickname was slow-mo. Now I don't think Larry plays like Kyle Anderson to you know, a T like he's not like out here, slow Euro stepping yeah, guys. He's not five second Euro step. Yeah. He's not like <laughs> super slow and everything, but 
he's long and he's smart with the ball in the same way that Kyle Anderson was. So that's where I see the comparisons. He's six foot five. He is right now. He's basically like the backup point guard on this team. Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's probably their second best. Creator. And I feel like nobody knows about him. Understandably so. So Larry Weiss comes in. I I saw him in practices. He has gotten a lot better shooting. He's got a lot more confident shooting. He's got a lot more confident with the ball in his hands. He's got a lot more confident off of ball screens. I'm anxious to see how he does in a full game against good teams. Yeah, when it's not a practice scenario. He's a retro freshman. Yeah. He's shown me a lot, but we'll we'll have to see if he puts it together. Defensively, I haven't seen too much from him at all. Like, like I mean, he has good length, and he uses it pretty well. But laterally, we'll have to see more from him and see how he does. But Larry Wise, at six foot five, coming off the bench, is basically going to be the backup ball handler on this team, which is a change of pace. Um, what are you most interested to see from Larry? I I just want to see him fill that role as because he came in as a wing. We thought he was going to be like a, a two or a three, but now he's kind of been thrusted into that role, like you said, as backup point guard. So it'll be interesting to see how he takes on that role and if he's able to be consistent and protect the ball. Exactly. I think that's big, just limiting turnovers. Exactly. There are high expectations for Larry. Yeah, I mean, because... And we slept on him last year. Yeah, but we did. Yeah, we did. And he's now being thrust into literally... Because Javion's not going to be playing when we get into him. He's not going to be playing 40 minutes like Ryan. Yeah. There's going to be time when you have to have a backup point guard that gives you playmaking abilities and Larry is now thrown into that job yeah Larry it was funny last year because when we went through like the roster at the end of the year and everything like oh you know they got this guy and this guy and this guy we forgot about Larry we forgot about Larry and the coaches were quick to remind us they're like uh y'all forgot about Larry and they're like Larry's gonna be good and we're like (laughs) like, oh sorry (laughs) my, my fault my fault my fault I mean we're not perfect but uh regardless those are the three guys that redshirted the next um, no wait, yeah, those that's everyone that's returns. Damn. There's a lot of new faces on this team. Okay, so let's get into the this the five new faces here. Let's start with Jalen Jackson. Alright, Jalen Jackson, point guard, five foot eleven from San Antonio, Texas, true freshman, the only true freshman on this team. <coughs> when he committed, I asked McCaslin what he liked about him, and he basically said he's one of the best, if not the best point he's the best defender in the class of 2019. So that's big. Obviously that's a big statement, but when you go to practice and you see him, like you're like, okay, yeah, this guy's actually like, he's legit. Like he's kind of like more of a Patrick Beverly, like hound that will yeah. get into your, like he's going to go after you and he will go after you. I had worries about him on offense. Obviously. Like when you look at his film and everything, he doesn't have a good shot. He didn't, he didn't, he's kind of small. I mean, he's 5'11", for God's sakes. So he's not going to be able to, like, put pressure on the rim consistently. But he quelled a lot of what my concerns were for him in, in just watching him play. I mean, he his shot's not that bad. Uh, not bad at all. I mean, not bad at all, really. Uh, it's very fixable. It's very um, tweakable. And it's he wasn't a bad shooter. Like, yeah. I, if he played, I think he could definitely be at a 30% clip. Yeah. So I don't think that's bad. Um, defensively, I like I said, I think he's very good. I don't know if he's at that like elite level yet for a Division One player yet. I think he still needs to get a little bit more uh, aggressive and a little more a little stronger. But he's a strong player. 
Like he's 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 big. Yeah, no, he's, yeah, he is. He's he's buff. thick boy, <laughs> thick boy. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, he's the second guy that we anticipate to redshirt this year. Yeah, and, and I think you have to redshirt him. I, I agree because of how many guards are on this roster, but I wouldn't be surprised if Shaquem redshirts and Jalen doesn't. I don't know. Like I feel, I feel like, like you Sha- have to redshirt. I feel him. I feel like you do have to redshirt him, but I feel like if I had to pick one, Shaquem would be more likely to redshirt than Jalen. Yeah, perhaps. I just there's so many guards on this team. Like you, Jalen needs that year. No, I agree. Like you can't d- go out there I, and I play. Def- I definitely for 40 agree. Minutes. I definitely agree. I don't know. That's just me. Uh, anything else you want to see out of Jalen? Uh, no, I mean, if, I I hope that he redshirts, so I don't really want to see anything from him this year. <laughs> All right, now we get into the good stuff. The three graduate tra- or the three JUCO transfers and one graduate transfer. Where should we start here? Can we can we can we, can we go to my guy? I don't know who your guy is. Oh my. I only like talked about him religiously whenever he transferred here. James, there you go. You James got him. James Reese. Oh boy, we are we have high expectations here for James uh, Reese. James Reese, he is a self-proclaimed Rip Hamilton with bounce. He definitely has the bounce. I, I haven't. I didn't ask him about that. How have you not asked him about that? I'm sorry. Um, but I mean, I haven't been at practices, so I haven't been able to see uh, what what he what he is. But um. He's able to come off of screens. He's able to do kind of what this team didn't have last year, which is off-ball offense. I mean, yeah. there was nobody really coming off of screens. There was nobody that could come off a of screen and, and hit a three or hit a mid-range or, you know, drive to the basket off of a pass. It was kind of just Ryan Woolridge and everyone else on the perimeter waiting for the ball to come to their hands. Yeah. Um, so Reese definitely adds that dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah, exactly. Dynamicism that this team didn't have last year. Exactly. Uh, he's the most athletic player on this team. Yeah, he can jump to the moon. I mean, he's he can dunk. He can. He also has high elevation on his jump shot, which I think is going to help a lot with him getting a shot off. Uh, he's six four. One underrated aspect of his game is he might be the go to on ball defender. Why do you say for that for this team? Because he's proven in practice, first of all, that he's a good, very good on ball defender. I'm not gonna say he's Ryan level, but he's good. He's very good. And then also, when you look at the starting lineup, like who else? Like he's better than Javion defensively. Oh, okay. So it's like I don't know who else you can put on. I mean, when we talk about lineups, I, I we could get into this more. But like Thomas Bell. See, but Thomas is more of a forward, so it's kind of like tough. Like against opposing guards, I guess. I yeah. Okay. I, okay. Like like Zach Bryant from UAB. Yeah, like you're putting James Reese on him, so he's a good on-ball defender. Like he's has good instinct, he has a good motor. Uh, I'm interested to see how he uses it and if he can actually like hold up against some of the top players in Conference USA. But yeah, he's a good defender as well. So he's we're expecting him to be on par or maybe close to on par with Mo and DJ as far as shooting wise. Yep. Uh, we anticipate him taking probably about six threes a game. I mean, yeah, Mo shot seven last last year. He has the ability to take over a game <coughs> where this team last year didn't have a player that could do that. He, exactly. like, he'll have the ability to you know, go off for 30 and or 35. And he can score in a variety of ways, whereas Mo last year... Right, he, he's he's able to you know hit the mid-range. He's able to hit the three. He can drive. He can dunk. I mean, he's yeah. dynamic. Exactly. Uh, now, I do think there are limitations to his game in the sense that I don't think he's going to come in and <clears throat> average... 18 a game and be no, like, I don't think so either. be this guy that is the go-to player like on this team. There are limitations to his game and his abilities, but I feel like what he does is exactly what this team needs. Cause this team doesn't need a guy that's 
can take over games. I mean, obviously they could use guy, but they don't need a a ball dominant guard that can create off the dribble. Right. They need guys that can come in and score when they need to score. And exactly. I feel like that's what Reese does. Well. Yeah. Uh, he can pop for those big numbers, but he's not necessarily going to. Exactly. All right. Uh, JV. No, let's go to let's go to Thomas Bell. Okay. Tom, Thomas Bell is. I've talked to McCaslin a couple a few times about Thomas. And there's nobody else on this team that he is more excited about. I'm excited about Thomas Bell. He very excited. He had a good scrimmage against New Mexico State. He would let them in scoring. Uh, he is a strong player. He's also the player, though, that I need to continue to watch more because I don't want to start throwing out here assertions. Right. Because his game is very unique in a way. In that he's a six six forward that has guard ish abilities, and he's can play at in a, at a lot of different speeds. I feel like he can yeah. play slow, he can play fast, he can use his strength, he can use his quickness. I feel like I need to continue to see more of him. I've I've been to a good amount of practices, but he's still a guy that I feel like I want to see more of. He's probably the guy that I know the least amount about yeah. going into the season, which. I mean, it says a lot. I feel like it says a lot about his versatility in his game. And so for him to go into a scrimmage against New Mexico State and put up 17 points, I feel like that's very impressive. Like, yeah, I've, I've seen him in one scrimmage. And so, again, grain of salt, like you were just saying. But he's, he's like you said, he's a forward that has guardish skills. But he also makes the right decision with the ball. He's not a guy that's going to try to force anything. And from what I've seen, he's able to make the extra pass or make, make a play for his teammates as opposed to just trying to get a shot off. Yeah. He, uh, he can shoot the ball as well. Yeah. Catch and shoot. Uh, I'm very, very excited to see what he does. Uh, I want to see how much pressure he puts on the rim and if he can actually like finish at the rim, like a, like a Ford. Like, yeah. Like, a, like a three can. Yeah. Like I want to see if he can be that slasher type guy for this team in a sense and get to the free throw line. That's going to be interesting. And I want to see him what he can do off the dribble as well. So, Lastly, I think he's the last player on this team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Last one. Oh, no, no, no. Second to last. I'm sorry. JV on Hamlet. He is being tasked with replacing Ryan Warge. It's big time. Now, is that a fair way to phrase it? Yeah, because he is tasked with replacing Ryan Warge. He's the point guard. Yes. I feel like teams can't be a good team unless they have a good point guard. You're right. Whereas before it was more of like if you had a good center and a guy that can just handle the ball, then you were good. Yes. Uh, Javion defers a lot from Ryan Woolridge. Uh, to start with, like the negatives, he doesn't. He's not the defender that Ryan Woolridge is. But not no, not a lot of people are the defender that Ryan Ryan Woolridge was. But I feel like his passing and his kind of his motor on offense helps him but he's also very smart in that he's not going to force shots in a way and yeah. I feel like he is going to be a better player in terms of getting the team in the right uh, in the right offense and creating for the right guys and helping motivate guys in a lot of in a lot of situations as well whereas Ryan was a quieter guy you know JV is a lot more outspoken he's a lot more um of a leader on this team so there are give and takes with JV on from from Ryan, but I don't think it's fair to compare because I feel like this offense is going to be very different than it was last year. Yeah, I feel like he fits this offense better. He's able to, and he has more. First of all, he also has more offensive capability. I mean, he's able to. He can hit a. Th- 
he can hit a three, but he's also confident about shooting a three. Whereas Ryan was very hesitant to even shoot a three if he was wide open. So that that's one thing. And he also can can score on the inside with a little bit more, I guess, craftiness. Whereas yeah. Ryan was just kind of imposing his will on the rim and yeah. ho- hoping it goes in. Exactly. So he also was like an eighty-five percent free throw shooter. Yeah, and that's also important that's, considering that's Ryan huge. hit like sixty. Maybe I don't remember. Yeah, I'm was, just guessing was, off the top was, of my it head. It was around there. Not yeah. good. But yeah, Javion's interesting. Uh, we need to see him as a def- defensive player. Um, that's something I, I want to see more of before I make a assertion on. But I agree. He's a he is a a big guard. I mean, he's six four, six three. Um, so I mean, he has the physical capabilities to be a good defender. But we need to see him put put it together. And lastly, but not least, we have Dango, Dangu, Dangu. That's what it is. That's what it is. Dangu. I, I've said it wrong. So last year we said Dangal. Remember? Yes. We said Dangal. And then I went to Dango. And now it's Dangu. I know it's Dangu now. I've checked it. I'm glad you have you have fact checked. <clears throat> it's about time. I'm saying his name wrong the whole time. Dangu. He is a graduate transfer, the only graduate transfer on this team. He came from uh North Dakota State. I, I believe better, so. I better check this before. I'm just too lazy to click on the damn bio. He played from yep North Dakota State. Uh, <clears throat> he came off the bench in I believe every almost every game last year. He averaged nine and a half points, five rebounds, uh, shot fifty three percent from the field, um, made fifteen threes last year. Um, Dang is a fascinating player because he is going to be like a four or five for this team, but he can shoot. He has a good. He has a very very good catch and shoot release. Um, I feel like he's a smart player. I feel like he has he's um he's able to dribble and pass the ball better than most six eight six nine guys, um, and he has some experience. So all of that, um, I'm excited for him on offense. On defense, we'll see if his because he's kind of skinny in a sense. We'll see if he's able to be in the right positions, and we'll see if he's able to use his length as a as a strength on defense, but. I think I, there's 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 a lot of optimism for for Dang, but he's kind of a guy that like I don't I don't know how to word this. If he pops and he's like actually like able to be like that stretch either stretch four stretch five versatile offensive player with maybe some shortcomings on 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 defense, I feel like this off this team can take like a huge step forward. I completely agree. But and obvious, but even if he's not like that great. Like, if he's just, like, good, like we expect him to be, I think this team is going to be fine either way. I feel like yeah. they have a good amount of depth between Thomas and him um, and Abdul to where, like, he's kind of take them over the top. I mean, we talked tons last year how this team didn't have a forward that could do anything. I mean, they didn't have shooters on this on this team, whereas now they've added all these dynamic players, and, and Dang's one of those guys where, like you said, he has a good shot. He can hit a baseline jumper. He can hit the three occasionally obviously like you said he only had 15 but he has good form there's tons there's a lot more this team can do offensively whereas last season it was predictable you you always knew what was going to happen this season you don't know who's going to score and dang's one of those guys exactly all right that's that's our entire rundown of every player on the roster so shout out to all of them uh we'll get into potential lineups real quickly i do want to mention that Things are not only changing on the offensive side of the ball, but they're also changing on defense. Like the offensive system is going to be very different from what you watched last year. 
but defense is equally going to take a step in the right direction because of their different personnel usage and different uh different screen hedging, different icing, different stuff like that, and different ways that they're able to uh defend opposing players. I I don't know how great of a defensive personnel they have, but I do know that they're going to take a step forward defensively at the very least by way of having more advanced defensive techniques and defensive uh, emphases. Emphases. I don't know. That's not a word. But they're going to have a more difficult schedule. So the the stats are not going to match up with what they did last year. Like last year's stats are going to be like, wow, they only allowed 31% from three. Yeah, but they played Maryland Eastern Shore. Yeah. It's a different, different animal. Okay, Colin. Uh, let's real quickly talk about potential lineups. Uh, my projected starting lineup at the moment is Javion, who is a lock to start. James Reese, who I believe is a lock to start. Oh, Maya's barking now. Colin has scared Maya. And so James Reese, I believe, is a lock to start. Um, I believe Oh, Zach is obviously a lock to start. Uh, Mo, I believe, is locked to start. So you have four guys that I believe are locks to um, to start on a consistent on a consistent basis. After that, then you get into either Thomas Bell or Dango. I'm not sure which one I'm leaning towards, but I think the more I see it, the more I'm leaning towards Thomas Bell, and the more I hear about, it, the more I I think Thomas Bell will start. So, how do you feel about that? I'm really sorry. I was dealing with Maya barking. Oh, it's, okay. it's okay. So just, just tell me your lineup real quick. Javion, Javion, Mo, Mo, Reese, Reese, Bell, and Zach. That's interesting. That's not what I would have said. What would you have said? I would have said Javion, Reese, Bell, Dang, and Zach. The lineup doesn't. I don't. I don't think it has enough shooting on it. Don't think it has enough shooting. Not enough pure shooting. I'm a. I'm a shooting. I love shooting. I know you. I know you love shooting, but this, I, you have to start Mo. I don't think you need to start Mo. Mo's, I think Mo comes off the bench. I don't and, think Mo but coming off the bench. You don't think Mo comes off the bench? I don't think so. I think Mo is too good to come bring off the bench. Like I think he's going to take a legitimate step forward this year. Like I think Mo is going to be like their best offensive player. I feel like he'll be. I don't know if he'll be their best offensive. player. I think he's going to be better than Reese offensively. I think that he'll be. I think just Reese is more dynamic and more like I think, versatile. I th- Mo, okay. That makes sense. I, I think Mo will probably have the most impact. Mo will lead this team in scoring. I can agree on with that, record. but I don't know. But I I think that he'll be more of a guy that'll come with the bench, like a like a Lou Williams type of guy. I feel like they'll use him more in that role to get bench scoring, so then they don't have to play the starters the whole game. Yeah, I mean they could they could I uh, that's a big lineup starting Dang and Thomas. I mean and Zach. you could you could swap you could swap. Uh, like I, I would even I could even go, uh, man I'm strong. Javion, I could even go Javion Reese or Larry, and then Thomas Bell. Larry's an interesting. Like Larry's I, an very interesting. Like one. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to starting Larry at the two, and putting Reese at the three, and then Thomas at the four, and then Zach at the five. Those are both very interesting. It's so nice having options for once. I know, uh, right? Whereas last year it was such a lock for everything. Yeah. Um. No, I think that's that's good as well. Um, 
so let's let's say that your your initial starting lineup is the starting lineup. If you had to go five bench, five as a as a bench lineup, where how would you go? I would go DJ, Mo, Abdul. Mm, I guess Larry. Larry Abdul, and then Dang. No, you, you said I already Dang. said Dang. I'm trying to think. You've already used. I probably days. actually. I, I no. I probably actually put. I probably actually put uh, Abdul at the five. Oh. And then at the Wait, four, I'd it? I'd put uh, Maya maybe. I'd put Maya, yeah. Maya. So, so, oh, stop! God, I don't know why she's Maya. Bugging. You said you said Maya. Exactly. God dang. Maya now plays basketball. Um. So, anyways, you said uh, let let's just to so re- off the bench it would be DJ Mo, Mo Larry, Larry Maya, uh, Abdul, Abdul. Yeah, it's a small backup lineup. Again, I don't know how much they'll actually play like the five bench lineup because they didn't play much last year. No, they I mean much most teams don't year. even go ten deep. Yeah, they go nine. I or think eight. they could go ten deep, ten deep this year. So yeah, my my backup five would be Larry DJ. Also, you didn't name Rose. Well, we're assuming Rose is in- okay, but yes, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. Larry DJ, um, shoosh. Where did I start? Larry, DJ, Abdul, Maya, Dang. See, that doesn't have enough offense for me. That's pretty good offense. That doesn't, that doesn't that's a pretty good team. That Bro, doesn't, that doesn't have good Dang help. at the center? Okay, is he going to score every point? DJ and Mo... Oh, no. Who did I, who, who did I say? Larry, DJ. Larry, DJ. <laughs> Larry, you said Larry, DJ, Larry, DJ uh, Maya, Abdul, Dang. That's pretty good. That's man. there's no yeah, offense. That's pretty good. There's no <laughs> offense. Um. Yeah. Again, it'll be tough to go ten deep all the time, but um. Yeah. So that's that's my five. Uh. Closing lineups. This is how, this is the last thing we'll okay. talk about lineups. Now this now, this is where I agree that Mo should be there. Now this is contingent on, let's say it's a close game, seventy-five, seventy-five clutch against, time against. UT Arlington, let's say. Yeah. Who are the five guys that you want out there to close out the game? Javion, Mo, Reese, Thomas, Zach. Zach. Easy. That's way too easy. I don't know, man. Who so, you, okay. So here, here's, who are you taking out? Who are so you taking out of my lineup? Let me, let, let me preface it for our listeners. Closing lineups uh, in the NBA and in college basketball need to have a certain level of versatility to them to where they can be effective on both ends. Like you want to have a, a lineup that can play defense really well and offense um, score, but defense is, would you say defense is the priority in the closing lineup or at least like switching this? Or I would say switching is, but you can't be limited offensively. Like you need to have, like if, if the, cl- if the shot clock's going down or time's running out, yeah. you need to have a guy that can put up a shot and you have confidence it's going in. Like you can't, like I can't have Maya in a in a start, yeah. in a closing lineup. I think I think you're right. I think those five would probably be good. The only one I might say is you might have Larry in there. If, as, a, if he, as, as opposed to who? If he proves himself as a good defender, as opposed to who? Mo. As opposed to Mo, really? You wouldn't have Mo close. I'm, games? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, no, I would have Mo close games. But if Larry proves himself as a good, good defender, like a legitimate defender, I mean that's 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 four, six, five, dude. You know that's. Three six five dudes, 
okay, six five is kind of a stretch. Three six five dudes, Thomas and Zach. Like you could switch one through four. I mean, yeah, you and can Zach's switch everybody. Rim protection, but, and you get rim protection. I'm, but again, you have you need you need a guy in Mo that's like can can catch on fire. I I agree. I would probably go those five too. I would go those five too. Now I wouldn't be now depending on how Javion played. I wouldn't. I don't Larry go, for Javion. Yeah. Larry for Javion. That'd be interesting. Maybe Abdul. I'm thinking of a. Maybe move Thomas down to center, even and slide, see, slide Larry but, in. But see, slide. I'd rather have Abdul at center because Thomas can be used see, in different Thomas, ways. Thomas is a way better defender than. than He's Abdul. way better defender, but offensively he can be used a whole lot different than Abdul can be. Dang at center. In I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind having Dang at center. We'd have either. to see him defensively. Yeah. Because you have to have a good five. I mean, you need to have like, pa- you need to have paint defense in a closing lineup. Like theoretically, like for instance, I don't I don't know I don't want to go too deep in the NBA or, or too deep into this podcast, but like the Warriors when they have Draymond Green closing lineups at center, like you have to have a good five at the center. So, anyways, yeah. all right, so we're on the same page with closing lineups, different pages with everything else. <laughs> okay, let's end it up with looking at this uh, non-conference schedule. Uh. All right, I'm going to read it out. It's a much different conference schedule than it was last year. Again, last year's non-conference schedule went, they went 12-1 and and it was very easy for them. They played nobody. This year, they play people. You could argue they play five or six teams, maybe better than anybody in Conference USA. You could argue they play four teams that made that will make the tournament. Yeah, exactly. So... They start off with Oklahoma Christian, you know, the, the Division 2, Division 3 game. Division 2 game. Christian, Oklahoma Christian, Division 2. At home, November 5th. Three days later, they go and play at VCU, who's number 25 in the country in the AP poll. Then they play at Arkansas. Then they play home against... You'll notice that all the home games are the bad games. Sad. But regardless, except for Oklahoma. So anyways, they play home against Eastern Michigan, home versus North Carolina A&T. Then they go to Jamaica and play Rhode Island and Utah State. Utah State is number 17. Utah State's number 17 in the country in the AP poll right now. Uh, then they play at UT Arlington, home versus OU, home versus Arkansas Little Rock, and at Dayton. And then home against Arkansas Pine Bluff and home against Texas Westland. Again, the home games are terrible. You could argue, though, that... So you could argue that only two of those games are worse than all the opponents from last season. So <laughs> honestly, because we're expecting UT Arlington to be better than they were last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean like Eastern Michigan's better than most of those, like Maryland Eastern Shore. I yeah, mean. for sure. Uh, so let's just the highlights: number twenty-five VCU on the road, Arkansas on the road, Utah State neutral site, uh, UT Arlington. And on Utah the road. State's also ranked right now, aren't they? Seventeen. Seventeen in the country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma at home. And Dayton on the road. And McCaslin said Dayton might be the best team they play all year. Yeah, Dayton. I mean, Steph Curry was from Dayton. No, that's not true. Davidson. Davidson. Oh, I'm so <laughs> stupid. No, but David, Dayton always makes Dayton, tournaments. Dayton's though. always good, yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's their non-conference schedule. It's going to be whew, it's an interesting schedule. So, how many games is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So, what do you think they go? <laughs> I know gonna, you don't have the schedule. How are you just going to throw that at me? Oh, let's just go. I game. mean, let's go quickly. Game by game. Okay. Oklahoma Christian win. Win. VCU on the road. Loss. Loss. Arkansas on the road. Tough. I don't know how good Arkansas is. We don't know. But I mean, they've been in the tournament, but like, yeah, we don't. Th- they're really always know. like a fringe let's, tournament let's team. Let's say loss. Okay. Let's just go worst case scenario real quick. Let's okay. Worst, ca- worst case. Worst case. Worst case. 
Eastern Michigan at home. Win. North Carolina A&T. Win. Rhode Island neutral. Win. Utah State on, uh, neutral. UT Arlington on the road. Win. Oklahoma at home. Ooh. Loss. It's a loss. It's a loss. Uh, Little Rock at home. Win. Dayton on the road. Loss. Arkansas Pine Bluffs at home. Win. And Westland at home. Win. So win. It's eight and five. That's hey. If they go eight and five in non-conference with that schedule, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. At I mean, all. I'd rather have that in last in this year's schedule than last year's sixteen and one. I I literally it's the same thing with football. Like I'm so glad they're actually playing people. So they're gonna go. I mean, they're not, they're gonna go. But worst case scenario, I think they go eight and five. Even if they go seven and six, like I'm not crying. Like that's okay. <laughs> I'm not crying. Uh, but yeah. So they're gonna have some. Fun, fun road games, man. I'm I'm very excited to see them play. It's crazy they're gonna go from playing Oklahoma Christian on Tuesday to playing at VCU on Friday in Virginia. I think I think having this non-conference schedule though will show us kind of what Oklahoma did. Where I mean, they were able to play with Oklahoma for a little bit, but it'll show us more of what this team can actually do against. And if they made the tournament, and another and thing, against the WKU, exactly. I think lineup wise, it'll show us a ton. Like more, way more than last year. Because last year, the first eight games they started Maya, and it was like, okay. And then they played Oklahoma and they played Mike Miller and they started Mike Miller and they started him from there right. on. This will make them kind of tweak stuff and toy around with stuff, see what works, see what doesn't. We'll know a lot more about this team three weeks into the season. So, all right, Colin, is there anything else you wanted to talk about that we're not going to talk about next week? No, we I think I think next week will be the more in depth stuff. Where we'll answer questions. Yeah, this was a very... I feel like we did a good job covering all of our bases, though, this time. Man, and my voice is so shot. Maya is biting my hand. It's a good time to end. All right, it is a good time to end. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be back next week with a football podcast and a basketball podcast. Um, next week, we'll take all of y'all's questions for basketball, everything y'all are wondering. Uh, maybe we'll give DJ a call. Who knows? But, yeah, this was a very kind of a general podcast on the basketball team. We feel like... I feel like I did. I feel like we did good. Yeah, we I done, agree. We done good. Considering, very good preview of the preview. Yeah, considering podcast. <laughs> yeah, gives you all the information you need to know before we start like going in depth with terms that like you've never heard of and like stuff. We're gonna do like yeah. I don't even want to get into it. It's gonna be great. Can't <laughs> wait. But yeah, leave us a five star rating on uh, Apple. We appreciate that. Uh, listen to our football podcast if you haven't. Um, or not. Or not. You don't have to. But yeah. This is a very, uh, this is the more upbeat podcast. So anyways, uh, follow us on Mean Green 24-7 on Twitter. Subscribe to Mean Green 24-7 on online. Uh, that's who we do all this for. Uh, we appreciate that. If you disagree with us on the football podcast, I didn't say this on the football podcast. If you disagree with us on football or basketball, let us know. If you have any questions, you can DM us. We always answer. Um, and yeah, or if you have questions for our next podcast, just send them anytime and we'll save them. So Yeah, for Colin Mitchell, for Maya Mitchell, and myself, y'all have a great week. See you.